What follows is not investment advice. It's the 7th of October. I'm Arthur Falls, and this is the 17th episode of Beyond Bitcoin. Today, Robbie Dermody of Counterparty, also known on the forums as XNova, joins to discuss the platform's recent Armory implementation, two-factor authentication, asset development, Doge Party, a potential Counterparty foundation in the works, the future, the past, pretty much everything you'd ever wanted to hear about what was going on behind the scenes. I would be happy to answer any questions that you have to the best of my ability. Well, you know, I saw that you guys had uh, had set up your Armory implementation and um, a bunch of your assets have recently turned up on CoinMarketCap. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I think I think they're, they're kind of quite different things. Um, it's just a general... I mean, together, it's, they're, they're, they're two facets of just a general maturation of... of uh, counterparty and the whole counterparty ecosystem. I think the idea with Armory itself was to try to get a, um, a you know, a, a, a solid offline storage implementation for counterparty assets. So especially as this, as the whole thing continues to move forward, these, these assets are going to be worth potentially more and more. And uh, we wanted to offer offline storage capabilities of them. So we have, we have plans in the future for, for additional um, for, for supporting additional solutions like the Trezor and um, any other kinds of hardware wallets that we can add support for into Counter Wallet. So, so you know, we'd like to end up with something where whether you're using, using Armory or Trezor or something like that, um, you'll be able to use that with, com- with a Counter Wallet and get, uh, get very secure, um, like cold or semi-cold kind of storage for those assets. So that was really the plan with that, and that that's an emphasis of ours. And actually, it's kind of funny that the Armory stuff uh, was a was a big personal thing of mine, which I, I I it was something that I I definitely wanted to really use. And I was like, man, like I really want I really want to use be able to use Counterparty with my uh, Armory wallet because that's how I I manage a lot of my bitcoins. So I said, well, I'll just I'm going to just get into this and and try to add support for it and. Uh, we worked on it and were able to release support for it with a, a few little clever uh, uh, things that we did. So, um, so I, I think the rest of them kind of follow on top of Armory, Trezor, and some other things. <clears throat> you know, regarding the whole assets on Coin Market Cap, that's another interesting thing. Um, you know, it's 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 it was promising to hear about that happening, and um, and and I think that that will continue. So, like. To see to see like this parallel board, you know, they split it out, and and that makes sense because you're going to see more and more of these assets, and they're going to get their own value, and that value will be a composite between the value trading on the uh, decentralized exchange that Counterparty has, um, and then the value on any kind of centralized exchanges that offer these. So, like for instance, I know that Master Exchange today offers the ability to be able to um, for like I think it's like 0.2 BTC. You can essentially take a counterparty asset and, and and go on their site and register it with the exchange, and you can their site will their exchange will dynamically support adding your asset as tradable on a, on a centralized exchange. So this really um, is a, is a future for any exchange operators out there 
you know, if you add support for XCP and for counterparty, you're adding support for any other kind of counterparty asset, whether it be storage coin, uh, LTB coin, Swarm, whatever else is coming in the future. So it is a really high value kind of proposition thing. And, and that support can even be to the level that the master exchange guys have done where, you know, you, you have another revenue stream where someone just pays a little bit of, of, of BTC and then you add it to your exchange. And from the standpoint of your back end, it's just a little bit of extra work to add that functionality so it can be done dynamically. Or it, it's just a, it's, it's, it's whether you're, you know, you're dealing with XCP or you're dealing with LDB coin or whatever it is. Um, it's just a, one parameter that's different in the counterparty API calls, essentially. So, you know, we're we're um, <clears throat> we're, we're looking for forward to the expansion of that in the future, additional exchange support, um, and I think that is additional exchange support will be driven by a lot of these. Um, you know, if you want to support LTB coin or you want to support some new big coin comes out on counterparty and you want to add support for it, well, you can just do that. Um, and if you do it with one coin, you're going to get all the other ones as well. So they kind of pull each other in. So there's with every counterparty asset, there's really that synergy. I hate to use that word, but it's probably the most apt word. There's there's really a, a, a cohesion between all of them. That you add support for one, you add support for all. Um, so that that's kind of the getting added to additional exchanges, centralized exchanges, which is another uh, another thing for us. So we are in talks with a few uh, a few of the larger ones that are looking at counterparty and trying to add support and working through that process. And it's not, it, it is different um, than just adding support for another, um, another Bitcoin clone um, because we have different APIs and it's, it's a different system. And um, there's some technical considerations that are different, but they're, they're working through that process. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then on top of that, when we talk about, you know, as we're talking about these things from the business standpoint, um, I just I just learned a few days ago that um, in talking with another one and another person in the space that we had, I believe it was five funded companies that are building on top of counterparty. So these are companies that had angel or VC investment. So, you know, this project just got started back in January. And uh, to see progress like that, that we actually have VCs and angels invested in investing in companies that are building on top of this technology and utilizing it is extremely promising. And um, I, I, that value should only be growing in the future. But it's a good, uh, just a good validation as to kind of where the whole ecosystem is going. It sounds like there's, you know, kind of the trains rolling. Like, uh, you know, storage, storage was really successful. And it's cool to see Swarm, like, you know, just the whole idea behind Swarm of, um, of, pioneering the legal aspect of the crowd sale um, or, you know, the equity-based crowd sale, and then also taking all the lessons that we've learned from from prior attempts, um, successful and unsuccessful, and, and binding those together into a single uh, into a single enterprise. A couple of things, like, can uh, can assets be sent from, count, from Armory? Uh, yeah, they can. So you can pretty much, as far as the Armory implementation goes, you can pretty much do anything that you can do with an online thing except for um, trades, a, a trade for two assets where Bitcoin is one of the pair. Or no, I think I think any a trade where you're selling Bitcoin, so it's one of those two. So pretty much everything else as far as doing a send or, or sending any asset, you know, besides XCP, um, you can do that as an Armory offline transaction. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, I mean, because we needed uh, we needed something. I mean, I just 
you know, every time I log into my uh, counter wallet, I just have this like weird twinge about like, do I have a keylogger on here? You know? Yeah, yeah, and and that's what that's why we did it because you know, if you're doing day to day, you know, managing day to day, just like little amounts, it's not a super big deal. But if you're storing thousands of dollars equivalent of of these virtual assets or digital assets, then you know, it becomes something where if you can have that in an offline storage, um, it it definitely it definitely you know for my own personal funds it help, helps me sleep better at night, for instance. So I think that um, this makes you know we to have something where you have the the almost the ease of use with counter wallet with these with the hot assets where they're just hanging out there, but but where you have the security of an offline storage is great, and so this is just. Armory is just the first step there. We want to, like I said, expand it to include additional similar kinds of things uh, in, in, in the future. Can, what kind of things? <clears throat> you know, on the, on the, um, on this basis of multi-sig to utilize uh, um, something like, even like a pay to script, ha- uh, a script hash address, P2SH, where you would have a, a multi-sig address and then you could, you could utilize some, uh, form of two-factor authentication with that as well, so that um, in order to spend the funds, you would have to uh, respond to a text message or email. So, so that's a future thing. Um, and then, you know, I think a future plan. You know, as we're on the topic, I, I guess of these kind of future happenings or plans we have from a future standpoint is um, additional wallets. So I am in. I am talking with a, a few startups. Um, I can't name, but as part of their strategy, they have the plan for their own wallet, which will be a simplified kind of wallet, which which doesn't implement all the stuff that Counter Wallet does. So Counter Wallet is really meant to be like a real full-featured kind of quote-unquote reference wallet implementation that shows what's possible. And also just kind of, you know, if you need to get something done, whatever it is, you can do it in Counter Wallet. But it's not meant to be a lightweight mobile wallet or something like that, and there will be better uh, options there. So... It was really, it was kind of, for us, it was kind of like a necessary evil that, that you know, we needed a, the community needed a web wallet. And so, all right, so we'll like, we'll, we'll, we'll write this, get it out there. But I think long term, you know, the, the counterparty team itself doesn't really want to host. It just, you know, we want to really be more, not necessarily have an operational role in hosting like CounterWallet itself, but have, have that be run by a different company that like, much like, Satoshi did not host his own wallet. With us, because of the accelerated kind of development schedule we had over Bitcoin proper, it's just something we needed to do. But long term, it would be great if there were separate third-party players that would host these wallets uh, long term. So whether that's a modified version of Counter Wallet or a totally separate wallet, um, that's that's part of the the longer term or medium term uh, vision that we have for Counterparty. It's interesting you talk about the. Uh uh, two-factor authentication through a uh, multi-sig address because mm-hmm. you know i just saw that you guys implemented multi-sig and a lot of people have been crying out for two-factor authentication as well yeah and and i mean that without without really you know when you have these bit 32 or these these hd wallets um you know from my understanding of the technology you know <laughs> You can have like fake two-factor authentication, but someone can still get into it and issue custom JavaScript code and, and grab your private key. So it's not, it's not, if you really want the real two-factor authentication, you really have to do it at the Bitcoin protocol level, which, which brings in like, uh, you know, with the HD wallets, it brings in things like, like multi-sig addresses. 
So this is really the way to do it. Um, I mean, we could have something, but if not using that, but it wouldn't real. It, it wouldn't be real two-factor authentication. So you can implement a uh, an HD wallet in which all derived addresses are multi uh, multi signature addresses. You know, to be honest, I haven't looked into that too too deep from a technical perspective. And Adam is the one on our team that's really handling the multi-sig implementation. Um, so I, I I can't definitely answer that as far as as far as PWSH addresses with with HD wallets. But I can say that that using a some kind of if I had to describe the user experience, it would be um, very similar to what it is now. You know, you have your 12 word passphrase, but instead of instead of generating um, these uh, just uh, pay to pub key hash addresses like the normal addresses that people deal with that start with a one on mainnet, they would be the the multi sig addresses, which I believe on mainnet start with a three. So. Um, so it just would be a just a different address, but it would be a um, probably a either either a two or two or a two or three address where the the user they would probably get a backup key when they signed up, and they would have their their main key that was gen, generated in the wallet, and then the server side would have a key as well. And as long as so so as long as the user kept their backup key, even if the server went away or got or got this, the data got totally lost. Um, you know, in the in the weird situation that that happened, even with backups and things, um, that that the funds would not be uh, lost. The user could still recover them. And this is an approach that um, I forget. There's a few companies in the space, not Counterparty, but just Bitcoin in general, uh, with with wallets, multi-sig wallets that that were taking. Bitgo, I think, was one of them that that were taking an approach like this. You know, a lot of people that said that 2014 was really the year of multi-sig with Bitcoin, and and it's good. We're starting to see that with things like like uh, um, Copay, I believe, and some other multi-sig wallets that are coming out. And uh, you know, it's it's it's. I think the more that we can move to that kind of thing for just enabling additional security and things like two-factor authentication, and 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 the whole thing as far as HD wallets. Um, where any any kind of alternatives where you don't have a single private key that that will allow people to spend um, uh, uh, bitcoins um, sitting on a single server like we've had with all these exchanges in the past that get hacked, I think is great because then we then people stop hearing about these oh this exchange that got hacked all these you know the the bitcoin CEO over at Mount Gox that 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 lost all the people's bitcoins and now bitcoin is destroyed and you know it's just like <laughs> All the perceptions that 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 someone who's not involved with Bitcoin will hear, and the conclusions they'll come to. I think the less of that that, that we can have, the better. And of course, people getting their money stolen sucks. So so this is like where it's um, you know people will, who don't understand the technology will say, oh, it's it's just a scam or it's the end of Bitcoin or whatever. No, it's just it's just. You know, just like when the internet came out, it wasn't the most smooth experience, and it had had usability and security issues. and And as it matures, those those get those get worked uh, worked through. I think of you know using a single uh, a single private key more and more these days. It does make me a little bit nervous because you just mm -hmm. never know. All these these features that you're talking about now are they implementable by uh by doge party the other thing is i wanted to ask you about doge party what you guys thought of it and like what your involvement might have been in the uh in the project 
Yeah, so uh, you know when you talk about the, the the counterparty clones like Doge Party, um, Via Coin, um, Chance Coin, or maybe one one other one, um, I, you know we we generally do not have a a bad attitude towards any of them. I the way that we see them is we see them as actually adding value overall to the counterparty ecosystem. You know there are there are niches like. Like, you know, with Doge Party, people can, I think it fits into the Dogecoin ethos really well, and, and people can go, and they, they can have fun with it, and they can create all these assets, and they've seen that. And actually, they've uh, funny enough, they've been a really good source of stress-testing counterparty for us, where they have, if, you know, a few weeks after launch, I believe they had like 8,000 assets created, and they were like, hey, there's, you know, we have some performance profiling with, with, with counterparty D that came out of it that said, Oh, you know, we're having, we have a very unoptimized, uh, function or procedure at this point. And so then we applied some optimizations to help get over that hurdle so that it, it ran properly with that many assets. So, um, that's some of the value. The other thing is, you know, in Doge Party in particular, um, that was really started, uh, largely out of the human team and, um, Wendell and, and Lars and those guys over there. We work actually really closely with them. Um, they're actually doing our, our new website, which that will be out in a few weeks here. So we have a really good relationship with those guys, and we have no problems at all with, with Doge Party. And, you know, in, to be a coin, um, BTC Drac, the their main developer, um, he, he gets up and, and helps post uh, issues or give feedback on issues to the to the issue tracker. Lars does the same thing. So, so really, all of this really feeds back into um, Counterparty. So... You know, I think that especially, you know, there's going to be some divergence of the code bases, and I think that's just a natural thing. But to the maximum extent possible, we would love to see that a lot of these improvements are just are, are, are that are applicable to the main counterparty code are, are, are issued back up through the counterparty code to include to improve the code for everybody. So, you know, we don't really thumb our noses to these things. We see that we see them as avenues to introduce a bunch of new people to counterparty technology and get them behind it. And, you know, for, because we build on the Bitcoin blockchain, you know, we see this as like, if you have a high value asset or you're a large company um, and you want to issue something on top of it, on top of a blockchain, um, then it would make sense, at least in our view, to use counterparty for that because we're backed by the security of the Bitcoin blockchain and we are the original project that is producing this technology. So I think, to that point, I think all of these alternative implementations of counterparty each have their own kind of value proposition or their own their own niche, so to say. It's interesting you talk about the uh, the stress testing because I've always you know that's that's a major question is how do you guys predict what's around the corner as far as uh, as far as new use cases and potential um, potential hazards that exist because of those new um, new use cases, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really with us. I think it's it's largely a um, this this industry and everything about it moves so quickly, so that you just really have to be um, it, it just as just as agile as possible and as fluid as possible. And you know, we are we just we you know we we have we have forecasts and we have things we work through, but <laughs> you you really can't forecast out much beyond like you know two or three months in this space. So we generally work very pragmatically, very day-to-day. Um, we listen, we try to listen to user feedback and then iterate very quickly and pass that user feedback into improved features. Like, for instance, with CounterWallet, people were complaining about the trading interface. 
So we took that feedback back in, and within a few weeks, we had a an alternative implementation of it that people tend to like better. And, you know, there are some plants complaints about buying and selling anything where Bitcoin is on in the counter wallet interface. And so we have some um, some solutions for that as well that that um, that are, are pretty much implemented, but they're going through some testing right now. Um, and there's some we're working with the attorneys as far as they there are some potential things with with money transmitter laws that we have to look through as well uh, with those features as well. So you guys took only a couple of months to develop the whole counterparty platform, didn't you? Um, essentially, I mean, uh, the, the project started back in, uh, Lord, uh, mid late November of last year. And, um, you know, basically we, we, we wanted to, uh, we were actually master point investors. And, and, um, I think that, that we had a little, uh, a difference of opinion as far as the progress and said, well, what, you know, what if we just did something that was our own thing that basically, um, had a, a, a launch of a super clean launch, very fair and was focused, uh, specifically around financial applications. And, um, that's really how counterparty came about. And so Adam, um, wrote the initial, uh, reference client, I had some code that I took over from a, um, as far as documentation API, I developed that and Evan and Adam worked on the spec and, and I developed count the first uh, version of counter wallet. So, you know, everything came out counterparty itself. Counterparty D was released on January 2nd and it was in a fully functional state the day it was released. So we weren't like saying, Oh, you know, I mean, a lot of the ways a lot of these projects start is, I have either no code or I have very little code and I just have a white paper with an idea here, get, you know, give me money and maybe someday this will become something. Uh, we were the exact opposite. We said, here's a fully functional, here's, here's a, a protocol spec. Here's a fully functional reference client that does all the stuff in the spec. Um, try it out for yourself. And if you like it and you believe in it, um, don't give us money, actually destroy your money and, and we'll give you XDP for that. So, it was a very unconventional kind of release, but we wanted to have a fair release, uh, number one. Number two, escape any kind of unauthorized IPO type law, uh, 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 um, laws or laws that would, that could, could impact the future of the project. And, uh, number three kind of proved that you could do a lot with a little. So, um, you know, in my case, I've been, I've been bootstrapping companies my, in, uh, you know, my entire professional career almost. And I'm, I'm, used to building a lot with a little. So it, it really forces you to make solid decisions because you don't have the options to make decisions that are not, that are not, not good, if that makes sense. So, so, um, you know, so that really got counterparty to where it is today, but looking forward to the future, um, you know, you run in now that, for instance, like I said before, we have these companies that are funded companies, they are, um, they have money behind them. We have real people using this for real things and starting to depend on these protocols. And so the question is like, okay, our, you know, our first, our first step was we just funded things out of pocket. We had the XDP burn. Um, but now, now we're into the next phase of growth and, you know, somebody wants to is building on top of counterparty and they have a few million dollars in funding and they say, Hey guys, uh, you know, what, what, how can I feel confident about the protocol and that you guys are going to be able to support it going forward? And, you know, or I'd like to donate money to the project to help cover development and things like that. And we get those as well. 
Um, instead of saying, oh, you know, just just give it to my personal account and, and we'll take care of it. That's not really a, 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 a tenable kind of response. So what, you know, what, one of the things that we're doing is, is, um, and, and to be fair, this is something we put off until this point is we're looking to develop a counterparty foundation. And, um, we are trying to avoid the kinds of issues that were inherent with things like the, you know, the Bitcoin foundation has gotten beat up. Um, but there are there are kind of things where you can create something that has seats for industry seats. It has like seats for um, some some of the founders or founder representation, um, and then it, it the core team representation. Then it has seats for like community members. So we're looking for something fair. You know, we plan on putting something together and then sending it out to um, you know the, the community to just basically just check it over and, and, and listen for some any objections that bubble up out of it. But the, the end result is is that we do need something in place that that will help um, facilitate the growth of the industry on top of counterparty and get it so that when you are building on counterparty and you go out and you get investment dollars and you have your investors asking, okay, the counterparty technology, how do we know it's going to be going forward or, or how is it supported? How is it maintained? Uh, how is the team run on top of it? You can point to that foundation and say that, these guys, they do have some some funds that they've gotten from various industry members and from um, from the founders themselves, and it is it is it does it has a little bit more organization behind it. So that's really the goal with that. It's really a, a pragmatic thing at the end of the day about you know just keeping things moving forward and making the technology look normal um, as we enter this new phase of growth where we have like real funded companies u- utilizing the technology. Well, you know, while at the same time. Um, staying true to the community ethos and how the project was was created, you know. There's a couple of uh, like one thing that I haven't seen so much development on is the, and you can probably correct me if uh, if I'm wrong. Um, I haven't seen a lot of people using the the feeds and the betting uh, side of Counterparty. Is there much going on with that that uh, that I may not be aware of? Like I remember I had this, I had a fellow Alex on a while ago who discussed his. Uh, xcpfeeds.info, uh, a betting platform, but I haven't seen that go far recently. Anyway, I'll uh, actually I'll have a look right now and see what it looks like. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's it's you know when when you when you put features out there, you create something from nothing, and you put it out there. It it's hard to um, you know it's like the main challenge of any startup. That being said, is it's really hard to predict exactly how who number one who your customer is number two what they want number three how they're going to use it um so you know we started with like um just a a a first step or a first iteration as far as what the product was and then we put it out there and then we we tried to get kind of user feedback just to see of who was using it how were they using it what kind of features did they want beyond what we've released so i think that um in the case of the binary options and the contracts for difference, I think that the the uptake has been minimal. I think that um, there has been some, and I know that you know. I think it was XBet.io um, is is opening up the betting to be beyond sports betting, like more where you can essentially have bets for for in, for arbitrary events, from what I understand. So, um, you know, I, I think part of that is um, there are some. In, at least in the United States, there are some legal considerations. Like, for instance, with CounterWallet, 
we're not we're not allowing direct access to that binary options functionality in CounterWallet because of um, potential potential concerns as far as us facilitating that. I know the, the United States in particular is very you know they they have they have set opinions about this kind of functionality and whether and it's still up in the air as as to whether it is um, if it's is 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 betting with with bitcoins or 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 virtual currencies other than bitcoin i.e. xcp is that is that the same as me going and establishing a business that does dollar bets which clearly has legal issues in the united states or is it different and unregulated so those are kinds of the questions that have yet to come out in the wash and and with CounterWallet, at least since we run that we're taking a uh more of a um conservative approach with that however you know, I've said this before that the the technology is a global technology, and it's not and it's not limited in reach to the United States. So there are countries where such use of it is 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 perfectly legal or or and or not not regulated. So um, we make the technology available so that people can use their best judgment, with, you know, for whatever country they're in as to if they if they utilize it or or not. So, but but this is you know this is like the whole thing with Bitcoin itself. I mean, there's so many new frontiers, and and the laws are just I mean, they always they always lag behind the actual development of the technology. Yeah, it's I suppose you guys are in a in a bit of a tight spot because you're so highly scrutinized and at the the center of mm -hmm. an ecosystem of of tools that may or may not be seen in a friendly light by um, by regulators. So I you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Believe me, I, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a technologist at heart, and I I just like would love to would love to do that. But I think, you know, it's kind of like when you when you do a change, it's like it, it, it's like you know, it's 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 I I think that change has to be. I think people people there's there's a few things. There's one there's a difference between using something for personal use and doing doing it as personally, and then providing a service to other people and there's a there's a legal distinction there and it's one thing to say oh why can't these guys just do it like i would do it but if you were really in the shoes where you were having to provide a service as a u.s citizen um and, and at the same time trying to move a platform forward that you want legitimacy to and you want to be something that's used you know by the bitcoin community and even outside of the bitcoin community which is a big push that we have plans we have for counterparty. I mean, we want this to change financial markets and it's not going to change by financial markets if we go about breaking laws. But the thing that we can do is we can put the technology out there and through the use of the technology, show the benefits of it. And by doing that influence the, the creation of these laws and work proactively with regulators and help educate them on the technology. So we want to try to work to show the value of this, um, it's a longer play thing, but it doesn't end with, you know, us ending in us, you know, having handcuffs put on us. So it's, it's like, <laughs> I think it's a smarter play, but, but the goal is to have this technology used by real people in real situations and have it. I mean, that's how counterparty came out. Like we, we, you know, I, you look and you see the 2008, what happened there. And if you actually really get into that and study it, like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm per, I personally am very passionate about that because I see how this, and I think a lot of other people in the space are as well. We, you know, we see how this technology can be used to better the financial markets and help remove and mop up risk and make things more transparent, which were all things that were lacking and 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 a big contributors to the to the to the 2008 uh, crash. 
So we want it to be used, and I want it to be used outside of outside of the Bitcoin community and have real use and real adoption and really be seen as a, at the very, very least over the next few years, as a legit alternative to to the traditional capital markets. Do you have any favorite assets that are coming up? Um, yeah, I think, uh, let's see here. I mean, I, I, I like assets that kind of show up, that do something different and show off the value of the technology and, and help bring uh, additional awareness to counterparties. So, I mean, some, some, of, some of my favorites have been, um, uh, for instance, uh, LTB coin. That's a good, a good first example. You know, like what, what Adam has done, the fact that he's, he's brought in a lot of attention to, to, to counterparty through his use of it. Um, a lot of people are being more aware of this technology, what it's about, getting educated about it, which is great. He's also contributed back. You know, they have that, that vending machine that works with auctions, and they're developing technology around counterparty. So those are all the really cool things to see uh, when, when, a, when a group gets started, not only builds on the platform and draws other people into it, but also develops technology. And even, you know, they, they have plans, or they may have already open sourced that technology, which is even better. So, you know, big, big props out to Let's Talk Bitcoin and what they're doing with counterparty. Um, I think another one is... Um, Digital Tangible Trust, what uh, Tark is doing over there. And, uh, it, you know, very, very interesting and innovative use case with this gold uh, that you can receive a digital token for and trade around, and then you can turn back your digital token back to them, and they'll give you the actual gold coin so you can take delivery, gold or silver. Um, they, they've passed some major milestones lately. I think they they had gotten their, you know, it took them a little while to get to their first 50,000 of assets, gold and silver assets on their platform. And then uh, I think about three or four weeks ago, they passed the 100,000 mark. And then like two weeks after that, they passed the $200,000 mark. So they're, they're starting to see hopefully that hockey stick kind of growth um, and they've received funding. So it's really good to see that in them building on top of counterparty. So they actually, you know, they got started from day one with counterparty technology. So um, that's another interesting one. Um, there are companies like Swarm and Coinify. Um, that are looking, that are either doing or looking to do um, uh, kind of uh, crowd sales or enabling crowd sales. You know, whether you want to call them crypto equity or you want to call them something else, some some form of a crowd sale where uh, a company can get started and, and, and raise money for what they're doing and, you know, you present it in a very user-friendly way that helps educate potential investors as to the, the, the potential upside and the risks and things like that. Um, and um, there are there are some really neat, you know, kind of thought experiments or plans we can do where where, you know, you can really have the age of um, taking things like like these concepts like Swarm and Indiegogo and Kickstarter, um, taking them and making them where you could even have like an artist on the on the side of a street and um, and he could be he could have his own brand and and be raising money to make the next album if you like his work. Uh, you know, you pull up your donation wallet and just donate to them. So there's like cool ideas that are coming out about it, like that are being formulated and worked on that can really take this whole kind of crowd sale concept to the next level. Um, so I think those are, those are just a few, um, you know, we, an, another promising branch for the future is things like um, uh, crypto securities, perhaps where you could have things um 
you know, there's been a lot of talk with Overstock and things like that where you can have these companies actually offer securities on the blockchain. And this won't be this thing where you have like, oh, you know, don't call them securities. We have to figure out this creative way to think around it uh, or not call them securities. They will actually be shares on the blockchain and they'll be labeled as such. So that, that would end a lot of, lend a lot of um, uh, viability and, and, and just, uh, I think, legitimacy to, to not only counterparty, but to Bitcoin and to all um, uh, uh, digital cryptocurrencies. And it's it's a it's a really interesting concept. I don't know. Do you have any opinions on how that might take place? I mean, at a high level, probably like kind of like what I said, where it's actually a stock. I mean, you, you know, I don't think Overstock itself. They're they're you know they're a legitimate publicly traded company. They do have to comply with SEC regulations. So I don't think they can try to come up with creative uh, ways to side skirt those regulations. They really just have to work with them. But be, you know, if that is you know if that is the case with that comes that they can actually make progress in the system as far as, you know, we saw the approval of this, um, um, of this swap, for instance, that, that has been the Bitcoin based swap by the, um, I forget the name of the exchange, but that went through the CFTC and it, and it got approved. And so it's very, very promising to see that Bitcoin, like I said, gains legitimacy and we get additional financial instruments or financial tools that, can help make Bitcoin more attractive to to um, to the markets. You know, like no 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 real capital markets player, it, they will rarely, if ever, just like go into a market and go long on something where they don't have a hedge. You know, they need to they need to hedge their exposure, especially with something as volatile as as Bitcoin's price, for instance. So when you see when you start having things like swaps and, and options and things like that come up. Um, around Bitcoin and gain gain legitimacy and, and uh, liquidity, I think that it, it helps them be Bitcoin be used uh, more seriously. So this isn't, you know, th- I don't think this is something where people are just hoping that oh yeah, Wall Street will just come and use Bitcoin. But if that's your hope, you know, Wall Street doesn't operate like that. There's certain kinds of things that they need, um, tools that they need in order to be able to to and really enter the markets and feel comfortable about doing so. So it's. Um, you know, I mean, my opinion on Bitcoin and Wall Street is one thing, but I think that I think that it's it's uh, just it to just let's just expand that to just increased use in general. I mean, you, you start looking at things like uh, uh, ETF exchange exchange traded fund, for instance, with uh, you know with with between what Second Market is doing and what the Winklevoss twins are doing. Um, that's another very promising thing. And when you have that now, now you now you have the use of investing in Bitcoin and Bitcoin investments potentially opened up to trillions of dollars of, of funds and things like pension funds and mutual funds. And, you know, they may have their, their own kind of regulations that prohibit them from investing in instruments like Bitcoin, um, or they may not, but you at least open the doors up for that kind of investment. And, you know, that's really what's going to be helped to be seen. Bitcoin be seen as legitimate. I mean, it's going to be a legitimate alternative as first. And then I think as, people get habituated to seeing the blockchain and, and learning about blockchain technology, you know, over, over just what we've had so far, which has just been, Oh, it's something new and it's so different. It's a scam. And it's a bunch of people running computer programs that make magical internet money. Like, Oh, it's, it's gotta be a scam or, 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 Oh, you know, this is just this funny beanie baby thing. Cause the price goes up and down so rapidly. 
um, it's very promising to see those kind of, that kind of mindset be uh, start to pass and to see some real legitimacy come to, come to Bitcoin and at the same time see increased uh, recognition um, of, okay, there's this thing called a blockchain. Like, what is a blockchain? It's like a peer-to-peer accounting ledger. Like, what are all the cool things we can do with it? And that's, you know, a lot of people have said this. I've said it. I'll say it again. That's where the real value of Bitcoin is. It's not about BTC itself, you know. Um, Bitcoin itself is cool, and and it's something that it's always cool when when additional retailer accepts it. But I don't really think long term that's really going to drive the growth of the value of Bitcoin, both both from a price perspective and from a value uh, to society perspective. It's really going to be about the blockchain and what the blockchain enables. Do you see a uh, a future with multiple coins, or do you see a future where Bitcoin is the dominant, or you know, or a future where multiple blockchain implementations are actually just based on embedding information in the Bitcoin blockchain? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, you just just look at how I think if you want the best analogy, just look at the markets today. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Do we see do we see a current situation where we have one currency like a, a global worldwide currency? We have a predominant currency. You know, we have a, a world reserve currency at least <laughs> at least for the present moment. The world reserve the, the reserve currency is the U.S. dollar. However, there's a lot of other currencies out there, and um, and part of that is because of just convention. You know, we we have the concept of nation states and nation states traditionally have their own currency or they group up and an issue a currency in the case of the eurozone so you know there are things like that but but at the same time um you do have dominant uh dominant currencies and you have ones that aren't so much so i think that the actual progress of these digital currencies will be the same so you have convention that creates multiple currencies you have usage with um you know, we don't have nation states, but we have like interest groups. We have like groupings of individuals spread all around the in- the internet that did have different priorities and different interests. And I think that mirrors to um, it has an analogy maybe in 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 like kind of a decentralized internet nation state um, where they may have their own currencies or they or 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 you know. So you have things like that, and then you also have factors of financial factors such as hedging. Like it's not good to put all your eggs in one basket. So you could have funds that that invest in in the future that have invested billions or trillions of dollars into into um, blockchain based technologies and things coming about on them. And I would I would find it very hard to believe that that's going to be on a single blockchain. You know, even with things like sidechains, you're still essentially trusting in the viability and the security and everything else of the code that 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 implements that. Um, I think that it's smartest to essentially, especially if you're dealing with very large amounts of money, be, to spread that money across multiple implementations and try to get a diverse spread of, of things. So, so no, I don't. I think that I think that there's going to be multiple uh, currencies like you see today. I mean, there's always going to be altcoins. Maybe not in the same thing. I don't think it's going to, you know, not long term where people are forking Bitcoin code. At least not to the degree it's done today. Um, but there's going to be alter- there's going to be always be alternatives, um, and a large part of what's going to fuel that is speculation. But an- another large part is actual innovation and um, doing things like adding additional features or additional things that 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 provide um, you know I mean that it's, it's it's new code, it's different code, it's 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 new features, and it helps provide 
uh, a hedge and it helps provide a uh, variety to the whole the whole ecosystem so yeah there's going to be dominant ones um bitcoin will i think stay dominant at least over the next five or ten years um but you know when you really look at it i think that there's going to be you know 15 years out is bitcoin going to be the dominant thing i, I don't know um but a good th- actually a good thing about counterparty is that you know we can counterparty can essentially work on any kind of blockchain based technology so say um Bitcoin loses its dominance eight years down the road. Theoretically, you know, we can switch off to a different blockchain. So we do, we do have that option. We would essentially just freeze balances and then we would move over. And there's a few different methods that we could allow people to get their new funds back on the blockchain. So, um, and all this would be reviewed in the community, you know, there'd be approval, uh, foundation approval, community approval, all that kind of stuff. But the technology, uh, technological possibilities out there. So it gives us a lot of flexibility that we're not just tied to one blockchain. It's it's quite nice that you can just do a uh, hop off if if need be. Especially, I suppose, if um, if Bitcoin's uh, development continues to be so uh, so slow or stagnant, you may um, it may be that there are other attractive options that you might want to take advantage of. I mean, yeah. What what do you what's your view on Bitcoin's core development? at this stage i mean in 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 what sense well i know that like way back when you guys had it wasn't like a real issue but how they uh reduced the op return size you know the the size of the op return transaction and i know that didn't really matter because you can still store it in uh additional public key outputs but um transaction time comparatively is is pretty slow with bitcoin and although that's most uh most faster transaction times available in uh in altcoins uh typically come with an equivalent an equivalent security compromise i wonder if mm-hmm. there are other other features that your that counterparty would really appreciate in bitcoin that that it's kind of waiting for and not necessarily seeing um yeah i mean i think i think uh you know Near term, I think op return at 80 byte is is would be great because, you know, with Counterparty, we want to we want to store data in the most um, low impact uh, way possible. Um, you know, embedded consensus, which is what we do, which is basically essentially store data in in Bitcoin transactions, has proven uh, security benefits. And um, you know, at first when this technology was less well understood. Um, there were a number of objections to the concept, um, you know, when you're talking about blockchain graffiti or whatever. But I think that, um, you know, our, our, I think as, as knowledge of counterparty has spread and like what the actual benefits are and the immense capabilities and immense value that we can bring to, to the Bitcoin ecosystem as a whole and to holders of Bitcoin as a whole, um, I think that, you know, and, and, you know, even when you consider things like, um, like op return and utilizing that and then things like blockchain compression and blockchain pruning, um, the techno, the, the technological, um, burden on the blockchains becomes, uh, extremely low or even negligible. So, so I think that a lot of that was just initial thing. There's always going to be, there's always going to be, um, people on the extreme side of the issue one way or the other that feel very, very strongly about one way or the other. But, you know, I, I think that it's, it's pretty clear now that counterparty brings a lot of value to Bitcoin and it's going to be bringing even more value to Bitcoin. Um, and we want to bring value to Bitcoin. We build on Bitcoin. We utilize the security of the, of the Bitcoin blockchain 
And um, we want to give back to, by bringing additional use cases, you know, additional adoption for Bitcoin and challenging the way that people think that aren't directly invested in Bitcoin, challenging the way that they think about Bitcoin. So no longer is Bitcoin just like, oh, you know, it's like this, this uh, like I said before, this Beanie Baby thing that goes up and down. Now it's like, well, I mean, they're doing like, they're doing this and that and the other thing on Bitcoin. Like, like what, what is the deal with this? Like, I, I didn't even know that was possible. And they can't put it in a box and just label it and then ignore it. I mean, it becomes something bigger than that. So that's really one of our interests. And we really believe that we can, like I said, give a lot of value back to Bitcoin. So, you know, as far as as far as what we'd like to see, of course, you know, in a perfect world, I wouldn't be dealing with 10 minute block times. Um, there are different coins out there that will do two minute block times, one minute block times or even less. Um, but they they quite often have well, they always have one of the two things, which is they always have a security. Uh, they give up security. So there's a compromise and or their security model is new and unproven. So that includes things like, okay, like Dogecoin, for instance, has is built built around Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin code, I believe. And it has shorter block times, but on multiple fronts, they have less security than Bitcoin. Okay, that's one thing. Then you have things like BitShares, which has much shorter block times, but they use uh, delegated proof of stake, which which is a very new algorithm and, and very unproven. And if you recall, you know, Bitcoin's, Creation and, and, and come in and emergence as what it is right now was not without issues. They had a number of security issues, and those security issues eventually, at, or at least at points, um, really, really threatened um, Bitcoin itself or, or could have. And so to think that these new kinds of uh, blockchains are going to have, especially when they're trying to do things as major like BitShares or Ethereum, to think that they're going to have um, issues and not have issues, I think is unrealistic. They will have security issues. They will have hurdles. Um, you know, I'm not writing off the technology, and I'm, I'm glad that someone is out there creating new blockchain technology and really challenging the state of the art, but it's naive to think that they're not going to have issues. And if you have billions of dollars writing on that, that may very quickly become an untenable proposition to a lot of companies. Um, the other thing is, like, you look at 10-minute block times. What's the difference between a 10-minute and one-minute block time if you are talking about things like high frequency trading, you can't you can't do that with either. Like you need like those trade times are measured in like milliseconds, um, and you're not going to get that with any blockchain because blockchains are like peer to peer decentralized. The propagation delays over the network um, and consensus around around the consensus algorithms are, are way more than that, just in, inherently. Um, like even with like proof of stake. So I think that you know there are off-chain solutions where they reconcile back onto the blockchain and and those are perfectly viable things. Um, they do have trade-offs um, um, around around centralization while they're off the blockchain um, and things like that, but they any any kind of technological solution is going to have a trade-off in one way or the other. So there's, there's alternative ways to enable different use cases and there's also things you can do from the user experience front to make it so that it's not such a, a big deal. Um, we've done some of those things with CounterWallet, like showing a transaction like zero confirmation. So we show zero confirmation stuff. It's not official until it hits one confirmation. Um, and, you know, when you look at counterparty long-term beyond that, say, say some blockchain based on delegated proof of stake does end up very, very proven, you know, three years down the road, 
very proven. People are using it, and and, and delegated proof of stake is is secure as a you know it's been attacked a number of times. It's held up just like Bitcoin has. People feel very good about it. So because it's a blockchain technology, we have the option to move counterparty off to that. And you can say, well, what's the value of that? Um, well, you know, the technology is actually a very small piece of the pie there. Um, the technology, in my mind, is the easy part. Um, I hate to underrate the kind of work that people like Adam and I do, but that's the easy part. The hard part is user adoption. The hard part is challenging the way people think about this technology and help getting new use cases and growing and growing an ecosystem of users and businesses and community and everything else. Like that's the hard part. And the hard part especially is challenging the mainstream and getting mainstream adoption and helping move chunks of the financial system over to blockchain technology. So the value is, is that if counterparty has all this built on the counterparty system and participating in the counterparty ecosystem, then for us to move to a new blockchain is we move all that existing equity over to this new blockchain. So, so we can swap out the underlying technology and then we can get the benefits of faster times. Now, in the optimal world, Bitcoin itself would add that. But it's like I said this with Bitcoin again. I made the analogy of, you know, Bitcoin's like the five-ton dump truck going down the road at 50 miles an hour. You know, you can complain that, oh, why don't they just do this? Why don't they just do that? But at the same time, when you got a, you got a, a five or seven or whatever billion-dollar market cap, you can't make changes too quick because if you mess up, like a lot of people with a lot of money are going to be very pissed off at you. So it's something that these guys have to, by nature, be conservative. And it's a lot easier to make changes when there's very little value writing on your blockchain, which is not the case with Bitcoin. No, I mean, I think I blabbed on enough. So, so yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for the chance. And I, I hope that this was informative to folks and, if they'd never heard of Counterparty, I would I would recommend they go to counterparty.co and and check it out. Check out what we're about. Uh, we have a Skype chat. We have sign up for an account on CounterWallet. Try it out. And uh, we're it's a very active community, and we'd be happy to answer any kind of questions on the Bitcoin thread forum uh, forum thread, or we have our own forums forums.counterparty.co, or just uh, uh, you know get me on Skype chat and, and can add you to the to the chat channel for it. So, yeah, thanks for the opportunity for this. Oh, thank you, Robbie. I'll, um, yeah, hopefully I'll talk to you in the, uh, in the not-too-distant future for another catch-up. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. Before we finish, I'd like to mention that the Bitcoin comic is approaching the end of its funding period. To secure your little piece of history, head over to swarm.co forward slash comic coin before the 15th of this month. The basic first run edition is only 0.05 Bitcoin, 15 bucks at the time of this recording. Not a bad discount. Cesis provided the music today, as he always does. Feel free to contact me at beyondbitcoinshow at gmail.com. Pertinent websites can be found in the notes. And today's magic word is X Nova. That's X N O V A. I'll catch you next week, guys.